Are you a current or future physician assistant wanting to learn more about finances? Then join me on this journey to become a PA the FI way. Hi, my name is Kat and I'm a practicing certified physician assistant who will be your host. It took me five years after I started practicing medicine as a PA to thoroughly dive into my personal finances after I discovered the concept of financial independence. I want to use what I have learned to help you avoid some of the financial mistakes that I have made while sharing some of the financial wins that I have had along the way. Join me as we discuss financial strategies to guide you to becoming a physician assistant on the way to financial independence. Welcome back, everyone, to the PA the FIOA podcast. I'm your host, Kat, and thanks so much for joining me for today's episode. In the last episode, I shared that I was supposed to be having a special guest joining me to discuss this program that we have been working on where we are helping other PAs build their wealth. Unfortunately, she had to cancel the recording because of not feeling well, but we hope to get her rescheduled soon. In the meantime, if you have questions about this program, you certainly can send me a message through Instagram. I'm over there at PA the FI way, or you can send me a message through Facebook, through the page or through the group for PA the FI way. We are working on getting new members signed up for the community. And if you're unable to join soon, we will open up more slots in the months to come as well. In today's episode, I wanted to talk about PA job red flags and green flags. So let's first talk about some red flags in a PA job. I have nine red flags and I have nine green flags to share with you. The first one is a high turnover rate is a huge red flag. And I would encourage you to do your absolute best with research when you are applying for a job, but especially when you are interviewing for a job about the turnover rate. For example, You'll likely have an interview with perhaps your supervising or collaborating physician for the future, other leaders for the clinic, maybe the office manager or managers for the hospital, maybe other PAs or nurse practitioners, your future colleagues. A great question to ask is how long they have been with the company and how long the other providers have been at that workplace too. But not only for them as providers, but when you are getting a tour of the facility, you can ask the other healthcare team members how long they've been working there as well. For example, nursing team, MAs, the lab staff, imaging, admin staff, etc. And definitely some of those roles in general will tend to have more turnover than other roles. For example, every place I have worked out The admin staff have turned over quite a bit, and maybe it's because they are getting different jobs or more experience or things like that. Sometimes MAs or nurses will go on to PA school or become NPs as well. So maybe there's some turnover there. So you can ask those questions about how many years people have worked there for, but then also ask about when past employees have left, what were the reasons that they left? And they might share You know, someone left to move back home to another state to be closer to family or their spouse is in the military and they had to move or something like that. But if they can't really give you good answers, that could be a red flag. Certainly, you don't want to come off across as way too snoopy, 
But it's really important that you ask as many people those types of questions to try to help you gauge what the turnover rate is for that place. Because if providers aren't even staying there for a year and they're constantly turning over, even if that place is offering you a giant amount of compensation, there's no way that you would want to take that role if providers are only sticking around for a few months. That's a giant red flag. Having a high turnover rate could indicate that there are things like poor management or even a toxic work environment, an unsupportive place. Maybe they're constantly understaffed and it's just best to stay away from a place that has a high turnover rate. The second red flag is an unreasonable workload or unreasonable expectations. This is often for providers that are outpatient, such as family medicine, pediatrics, dermatology, psychiatry, where you're seeing your own patients and they want you to see 75 derm patients in a day, or have you seen 30 patients in family medicine, or do an intake for a new patient for psychiatry in 30 minutes and follow-ups in only 10 minutes or something outrageous that just is not good patient care. Not only could this lead to burnout, but it really can compromise patient care and put you at a higher risk of having malpractice issues. So you definitely don't want to do anything to risk your license and just trying to be seen patient after patient constantly and not providing good care to the patients that you are seeing. A third red flag is a lack of support or mentorship. And this is huge. New grads especially should not look for a place that is in their hopeful and desired specialty. Instead, they should look for a place that is very supportive. And that means, number one, their supervising physician or collaborating physician. Number two, the rest of the team members. Are the nurses supportive, MAs supportive, the admin staff, lab, radiology, etc.? Do they want to see you succeed? Or is it an environment where it's really clicky and the support staff just rolls their eyes when you ask for help or ask them to do something? That's not a good environment to work in. Mentorship is super important. You are going to be asking your collaborating physician or supervising physician a ton of questions. You're going to be asking your PA colleagues lots of questions too. So you really want to find a place that will help you by offering mentorship. And then I would hope that you pass along mentorship to others too. The fourth red flag is inadequate staffing. And this can be fellow providers, the nursing team, MAs, admin staff, etc. I feel like having adequate staffing in healthcare can be challenging nowadays, especially since the COVID pandemic. However, there are some places that just really struggle with having even a decent staffing amount. And if it's a place that's just constantly struggling to find staffing, you need to stay clear from there. If it's a place where they're trying to look for a couple support staff team members, but they're overall staffed otherwise, that might be okay. And you might be able to do your role without it affecting you. But you could ask them, how long have you been searching for these team members? And again, going back to the high turnover rate, Try to dig into some of those questions about the turnover rate. The fifth red flag is a combination of a few things, but it's miscommunication, misinformation, or lack of transparency, whether this is amongst leadership, within the company, your colleagues, whether it is with independent recruiters that you're trying to work with for finding a job. 
and they just aren't being really straightforward or forthcoming about what is actually true. And maybe that's because they don't actually know and they're giving you promises to try to get you to work there because they probably get a nice bonus if you work there. Or maybe it's because they do actually know, but again, we'll not really be very truthful about things. So caution when you work with recruiters. I'm sure there are great recruiters out there, but just always be mindful and fact check any great promises that they are offering as well. So what can the miscommunication and lack of transparency be about? Well, it could be about things such as compensation and pay structure overall, the days off, expected hours that you're required to work, whether you're on call or not, all sorts of things can come up where things just aren't really transparent or one person says one thing and then another person says another thing. For example, this has happened to me when I was interviewing with my previous employer and it was a red flag at the time but I still proceeded with the job. And what it was, was I was under the impression I could have a certain day off per week because I was told I could pick my own schedule. However, picking your own schedule and having a certain day off per week apparently does not mean the same thing. So you need to right away at the beginning define what that means, right? And that is during the process of when you are negotiating your contract. You want to get everything in writing before you sign the contract. And once I found out that I actually could not have the day off per week that I wanted, someone from HR said, oh, but we can definitely make sure that you only have to work a half day on that day that you would like off every week. So I was like, okay, well, this is a bummer, but it's only half day when I do need to take that day off for heading out of town or something like that. I only have to use a half day of PTO going forward. Well, they try to clarify that with the leader of HR. And unfortunately, that was incorrect too. And that was very frustrating to have people within HR and people within leadership not communicating and again, telling me one thing and not really following through on it. So that was certainly unfortunate and a lesson that I learned. I eventually was able to get the day off that I wanted after being there for several months and transitioning to another clinic within the organization and things like that. So it ended up working out okay, but it was definitely very eye-opening to the miscommunication within the organization that I would define as very disorganized. The sixth red flag is if the place does not understand the PA role or allow you to work at the top of your scope. Unfortunately, some places think that PAs are really assistants to physicians or that they are scribes or that they don't really want the PAs to do some procedures, even though it's a procedural heavy specialty. There's lots of examples of this, but it's really important that you do your research to understand what they really envision you working as a PA in this role. The seventh red flag is poor compensation and whether that looks like a low hourly rate or salary or an unattainable bonus structure. Again, if they're offering you this low pay, but trying to make it look really shiny and pretty with this bonus structure that you could get in the future, but really it's actually unattainable. That's a really big red flag. And you might not be able to know that until you start working in the role. But again, try to do your research. Ask your future colleagues those questions and even ask who you're interviewing with, well, how many providers or what percentage of the providers did obtain the bonus structure last year? You can certainly ask them that question and see how they respond. Going back to the low hourly rate, it breaks my heart to see people post in 
PA groups the hourly rates that they are offered. It is insulting because it is just not a rate that a provider at the scope and level of your training should accept. So I highly encourage you to make sure that you are negotiating or not accepting those roles and telling them it's really not a reasonable pay for this role and move on and look elsewhere. The eighth red flag is a restrictive non-compete clause. It's really nice if you don't have any non-compete clause. At the same time, if you absolutely need to sign a non-compete clause, make sure it's as least restrictive as possible, meaning the mileage radius is low. It doesn't extend several miles or I have heard of non-compete clauses where it's certain miles surrounding several of their clinics. So really, you can't work within that specialty throughout the whole metropolitan area. I have heard that non-compete clauses will also mean that it's for all specialties, not just the certain specialty that you are planning on joining for this role. That's not really fair either, because then if you leave one specialty and are going to another specialty, you aren't recruiting or taking or soliciting your old patient's over to that new specialty is just ridiculous and doesn't make sense. Fortunately, there is some legislation about how non-competes just really aren't valid. And some states, they really won't hold up in court. And I believe that there is movement that these will probably go away, especially in healthcare. So I'm optimistic for that. And then the ninth and final red flag that I have for you is unclear call expectations or unreasonable call expectations. So if you agree to sign up for a role that takes call, first of all, get an understanding of what type of call, how frequently, how many hours, all those details they expect from you. Second, get it in writing. Have it as part of your contract. Anything that's verbal or even anything in emails, again, people cannot follow through on. You should also put in the contract for call which location they expect you to take call at. Because you don't want them to say, oh, it's only this clinic or only this hospital or only this place, and then come to find out they really expect you to cover call throughout the whole city and driving all over the place. You should also try to get in writing which days of the week or what is the call schedule, what is the pay associated with taking call, what are the hours, not just the day, but how many hours would you take call, what happens in each situation, do you actually have to go into the hospital or do you just field calls over the phone or through messaging? Clarify all of those details. Now that we've reviewed the nine red flags, let's talk about the nine green flags and end this on a positive note. The first huge green flag is a supportive team with mentorship. And again, I touched on this a little bit earlier when I was talking about the red flag version of this, but it's so important that your physician that you are working with, your other colleagues, your support staff, your admin staff, your manager, leadership, all of those people are a supportive team and that they are willing to mentor you. The second green flag is a sufficient and comprehensive onboarding process. You do not want to feel like you are not well-trained for the role. You don't understand the EMR. You don't have a ramp up schedule with seeing patients. They just automatically book a full day of seeing patients and not leave any blocks in your schedule when you are starting to learn the role better. The third green flag is low turnover. So if you hear that 
Many of the team members have been around there for a long period of time. There's longevity at the place. That sounds like a great green flag. The fourth green flag is a competitive compensation with attainable bonus structure if applicable. Whether it's a great hourly rate, great salary, great dollar amount per RVU, any of those things should be a competitive amount. And then if they offer a bonus structure to make sure that it is attainable and doable to at least get some of a bonus, maybe they have additional bonuses that they offer, such as sign-on bonuses that you can try to negotiate or retention bonuses and things like that. The fifth green flag is great benefits on top of the competitive compensation. For example, an employer match in an employer-sponsored retirement account that they offer, such as a 401k, 403b, 457b, etc. Maybe they offer a benefit such as reasonably priced medical insurance or dental or vision, or sometimes places will even pay part of the premium for the insurance or sometimes rarely the full amount. An extra bonus for medical insurance that I really like is an access to an HSA, meaning if you sign up for a high deductible healthcare plan, you can have the option to get an HSA if you'd like to. Another great benefit is an excellent amount of time for PTO or time off if you don't get paid time off. Some places keep holiday PTO or time off separate from your other weeks of time off. Some of them lump it all together. Some of them might differentiate sick days, but usually it's kind of this lump amount. But several weeks time off is important. The sixth green flag is that your workplace would cover professional costs. Those are things like a CME allowance, but then also paid time off for CME, reimbursement for professional fees. And this is several of them, but things like your DEA, your NCCPA fee, and organization fees such as AAPA and your state PA society, etc. The seventh green flag is flexible hours, meaning you could have a four-day work week if you'd want to. You could start earlier in the day if you'd like, start later in the day if you'd like. They're, they're flexible with the hours that you would like to work. Additionally, it's great, especially for outpatient roles, to have the option to still work through telemedicine from home if, for example, you're not feeling the best, or you have a kid that is sick, or there are other reasons why you need to be home and can't make it into work, having that flexible work from home option can be really, really nice. The eighth green flag is dedicated admin time. Dedicated admin time might look like a period of time blocked throughout every day for you, or maybe it's the fact that they only require you to be scheduled for 36 hours per week in a clinic instead of 40 hours per week to be considered full-time. Or maybe they say you get a half day off per week because that's considered your admin time for the week to catch up on charting, your in-basket tasks, patient messages, refills, prior auths, FMLA, all sorts of lovely things that come with our role as being healthcare providers. Certainly it's ideal if you work with your support staff and make sure they're practicing to the upper limit of their scope too and helping you with some of those administrative tasks. You need to learn to delegate and be a leader and make sure that your team is working optimally together and that can help lower your administrative burden as well. The ninth and final green flag that I have for you is either no call or if you do take call that there are clear call expectations and compensation for taking call as well. Those are the nine red flags and the nine green flags that I have for you for PA jobs. I'm curious, 
what did I miss? Are there any other red flags or green flags you would add to this list? Head over to Instagram and find the post for this episode and comment on it or over on Facebook as well. Leave your thoughts because I would love to hear what you feel like I missed for red flags that you've experienced or green flags if you have an amazing PA role and you get all these additional wonderful things in your role that I didn't mention. Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you back here soon. Thank you for tuning in and I hope that you decide to continue to join me along this journey of becoming a PA the FI way. Please take a moment to press the subscribe button on the platform that you are listening to this on, but more importantly, consider sharing with another current or future PA that could benefit from the information that we reviewed in this episode. Take care and have a great rest of your day. Until next time.